You're now listening to a brand new episode of Colorful Lies presented by State Farm. If it's your first time tuning in, shame on you. But thanks for joining us and welcome back to all the longtime listeners. I'm Angela Yee and with me as always is my shmoney team. Hey y'all. I'm Inatu So and millennial money expert Tanya Rapley of MyFab Finance. Hey y'all. Now, this episode, we're talking about how to make work work for you, navigating office politics, mentorship, and how to negotiate a raise. And later in the episode, we'll talk to Kara Stevens, a.k.a. the Frugal Feminista. But first, we got business to take care of, our accountability check-in. So let's start with you, Tanya. How was Hawaii? Yeah, Hawaii was so (laughs) awesome that I've been slacking on my task at hand, which was to find an estate attorney. Yeah, so that's still a work in progress. On what you know, a few good things that did happen. So, you know, I told you guys that we had to postpone moving into our building. So we did move into a larger place um, to kind of buy us time. And we really love the larger place that we moved into. So we're we're all settled into that. And um, I think I told you guys my mother-in-law left my husband a substantial amount of money. And so uh, we've connected with my financial advisor just to find out the best course of action so that while we're waiting to purchase our property, that money doesn't slowly dissipate because it's very easy to kind of be like, oh, let's take $10,000 here. Free money. Let's take, you know, so we, we're, we're, ma- we're actually planning for that money to work for us and looking into tax planning and so forth to make, to reduce our tax liability as it relates to that money. So, um, yeah, still working on that will and so forth but that has to get done it's just Hawaii was just so awesome right that <laughs> I didn't will do anything take, the will right. takes a long time it takes a long time I didn't time. do anything but we're we're lining up our assets I me mean, my husband had our money date this past week and we lined up everything and like where we stand and I identified our household goals and how far we are from achieving those and so forth so we are still making progress and now that we know what we're worth we can go ahead and do that well. Can I ask a maybe personal question? Yeah. Do you guys have rituals for how you run your money date? Like, is it that you just get there and you sit down? Do you like, do you, is there a moment for tenderness and talking about things? How does it work? Not in this house. I'm the CFO. <laughs> I'm the CFO in our household. So it's kind of like, so, uh, so he's coming to a meeting. <laughs> so sit down. Okay. So this is what we're doing right now. Like, babe, I think it's time for us to have a money talk. And uh, so you have, like, do you have an ag- do you have an agenda? Like, do you know what you talk about before, or we, not necessarily an agenda? Like, we line things out. Like, we have um, our book from our past money talks. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. so how far are we off track? How do we feel about this? So forth. Um, sometimes we don't necessarily order takeout. <laughs> I've been on the road so much that I really want home cooked meals when yeah. I'm home. Like, I was on the road. I was only home five days out of July. Like period and so i definitely want home cooked meals so we just cooked in the house and sat down and i I need to be more tender with my approach though my mom was like you got it harsh just now it really is like (laughs) sit down so let's talk about money right now i'm just thinking that like if i were in a relationship where we were having money dates i would definitely be the one that you know it like I need a lot of coaxing to get there because I would just I I feel a lot of feelings. It's, no, it's a spur of the it. moment. It's like, hey, so let's have a money talk. Sit down. Uh, no, <laughs> it's not I'm like, like I'm gonna send you a text message. I'm like you gotta schedule like it. That. We gotta pray about it. Get him, get <laughs> Light him some candles. <laughs> get him while he least expects it. So yeah, but that's that's where we are. And so um, you know, it's about making progress towards where you want to be financially and doing what you said you would do with your money. And um, that's been really important to me and to us. So what about you, Amina? Man, I, since the last time that we checked in, I've been having a really hard time. So everything has been kind of slightly off. I've been spending too much money and I had to be real with myself about that. Uh, when I paid off my credit card this month, I was like, most of this was stuff I 
did not need. So uh, I returned half of it. I will well, say wow. I was, I was happy. So bad. At I do. That. I always keep the receipts, man. I'm the queen of returning things. So it's not like I wore it and I returned it. I actually returned it. I was like, I don't need more of this. Yeah. Thing. Um, and yeah, but it's, it's just been a lot of thinking about that. It's like why I'm like, when I'm depressed that like spending is a, like an automatic therapy. reflex. You should just text me, Amina. Retail just, therapy. Just text me. Okay. I, well, you know, I, you know, I, you know why I don't text people because I know it's bad. So I just do it anyway. <laughs> that's the thing. So that's been going on. The other thing that I realized that I have been putting off is that there are just a couple of like tax things that I need to get together for October. And this summer would have actually been the perfect time to do that. And I, you know, it's like paperwork. I just don't want to sit down and, do any of it like gather okay. all of it and so i um i like made myself a promise that i was going to do that before the weekend and so i'm really into it uh my one great accomplishment though is that your girl ran a full mile in her new shoes get out of here you oh, didn't tell yes, me that vacation because oh i wanted to gosh. surprise you on the air i'm excited um, about that i hate every minute of it it was miserable <laughs> you're gonna it was love it. awful <laughs> it was not fun i was so did? hot That's i so think good. i got a sunburn the whole thing was bad i like got home and i looked a mess my landlord did not recognize me That's like, do you perfect. Live here? that's how you're supposed to look um so it was good, but now, here. but now I'm like, I know how to do this. So I want to reduce my mile time. I was like, I want to run another, I, I want to do two miles now and I want to run faster. So we'll see, but it's too hot. This is what I think. Well, Outside first, running first of all, is bad. you either have to do it really early in the morning or, or later in the evening. Mm. You can't do it like prime time when the no, sun No, I did. Listen, I did it pretty early in the morning and it was still hot. So yeah. It's been hot in New York. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. miserable. But I will say this, you know, um, every time you do it, you're going to get a little bit better. So if that means if you want to go for a longer distance, then I wouldn't try to um, go faster yet. You got to pick. Either is that, that how, running, is that how running works? You got to pick one. Yeah, because you can't do when, both. When don't, does the fun think, part come? When does the part where I don't where think you're running like, is fun? I love it. Like it's it's. I just. I think the it's, whole time I kept saying, <laughs> "What what price this fitness thing? Uh, what price? you know? What's great about it when you accomplish things that you didn't think you could in your head? That's the thing. That's, that's true. Yeah. Really I never. Nice. That's it's fair. A challenge and it's overcoming mm-hmm. that physical challenge that you may feel like because we you talk have. ourselves out of things. Like I can't run a mile. I can't do this. It was true. It was one of those days where I just. I would like I wanted to sit down and watch TV and instead I was like the shoes were looking at me and I was like fine <laughs> they're like let's go I can know? do this and then and you feel so good after like I did something okay yeah I don't know about that yet but also like, also my thing is that like I don't mind running indoors like treadmill please really I hate turn treadmill on, running turn on some HGTV Island Hunters and like run miles but that's fake it's, it's like, like you don't uh, have resistance uh, uh, on uh, yeah it's very boring I need a good playlist so running outside for me was like a huge challenge it's I was scenery. like the fact that I did that a car didn't hit me I got all the places <laughs> I wanted to go to, it's true. I did feel accomplished about that. And it's a good way to but think. But I'm like, I can do it head. again. So yes, I'm not yeah. afraid of doing it again. That's so good. I it's love been, that. I'm so proud of you. It's been good. That it's is a, awesome. Yeah, but that it means sucks. a lot to me. I'm excited. Speaking of I'm running, doing it for Angela. Angela. Like, what's going on with the running club? And oh like, yes, yeah, so I do have my running club. I haven't seen Amina there yet, but I'll let you know. Because you don't invite me. Is. She was warming up. She was. I, ready. You haven't invited me, but now I'm not embarrassed to go to the running club because I'm gonna be. smoke these people. <laughs> you know what? It's great. So I do have my running club. We've met three times already. But what I love about it is that a lot of people that have never run come out, 
And so it's not even a matter of who's the fastest, who can run the whole thing. It's just, let me just get out and do it. Mm-hmm. So some people walk the whole thing. Some people do a little jog, walk, I did jog, feel walk. that on the track at Prospect Park where mm-hmm. there were like definitely people who you could tell. It's all different runners. levels. Um, I'm excited about my book club because I actually got my book club in the flagship store at Barnes & Noble. So yes. that was really exciting. What's the next book that you're it's picking? It's in there for three months. Um, we're doing Mickey Taylor's book, Editor-in-Chief. Oh, okay. Ooh. I've seen her book. Yeah. Yes, from Essence Magazine. So I'm excited to have her on board. Um, now I have extra goals, right? Here's the thing. Because, you know, I've been getting a lot of pressure to do a book deal. And I know yes. I was an English major, so it's something that... By the next time we check in, I feel like I'll be pretty far along in um, getting that deal done. I'm so proud of you. Yes, that's awesome. Take your time. That's yeah. awesome. I am. I am. They were telling me, look, Ange, you could do the deal, and you, it's not like you have to have the book done right after. Take your time. It takes they just so. Lock listen, you in. No. I just finally signed my contract. Mm-hmm. You can. You tell them how much time you need. Our book is not due until July 4th of next year. Okay. And we already have two and a half chapters in. All right. That's so perfect. You just take your it's time. Doable. You pace yourself. It's, that's good. It's 65,000 words minimum, 85,000 words maximum. So you I pace myself out. with the book and you pace yourself with the running? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> if you need help with the book deal, I'm here. And then, um, you know, I have another business that I'm launching that I'm really excited about. So I just invested a chunk of money into that. So pray for me. And, um, <laughs> we just got our investor deck ready. So I'm trying to, um, this is my first time actually getting an outside investor into something. Cool. So this is all new to me. So I'm so excited. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so, so I'll give you more information on that because that company is set to launch um, probably next month. Shmoney team is making moves. Amina is running. Girl, you know, for we how get, much longer though? <laughs> <laughs> um, forever. <laughs> but you know, we get so moves. scared Andrew's sometimes investing. to um, take a risk in investing our own money into things. Yeah. And you know, I think, how can you ask people to invest in you when you haven't invested in yourself? So that was exactly. the first thing I did was invest in myself. And you're worth it. You're mm-hmm. actually worth the risk and the investment from somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where we are. Money team on. I love well, it. Well, we received a ton of questions from listeners using the hashtag Live colorful. So we've been answering your questions as part of each episode. This question comes courtesy of Sandy underscore IAA 1029, who asks, I've been in a contract position for the last five months, even though I was supposed to get a full time or supposed to go full time. However, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of and have been actively job searching. I've received interest, but want to know how to approach a conversation with my superiors at my current job regarding leveraging other job opportunities or offers to increase my current pay rate if possible. Also, is it better to go to my hiring manager or directly to the individual who has the final say in these kind of men? Oh, I got a lot to say about that. This is literally my specialty at the Tech Lady Mafia, Mm. teaching people how to negotiate offers. Tell us, Angela. Well, first of all, make sure you have another offer because you don't ever want to go in and negotiate when you have people that are interested, but no one's made an offer. If you you go in to talk about another job, you need to be willing to walk away from the job that you have Mm -hmm. in that moment. As a matter of fact, I have a co-worker who got stiffed like that, Mm. who actually tried to negotiate at his current job um, by acting like he had another job offer because someone else was interested and he ended up losing his job mm. because of it and then not having another job offer and having to take the lowball offer because he had to get something. Sometimes your manager makes your life, I wouldn't say that they make your life hard, but they're not making your life easy because they are hoping that you will leave. It is right. cheaper for them. <laughs> it's true. A lot of times you're like, if this they're person, like, spare us on if you are a driven whatever person and you're not happy at work, there like sometimes there is a reason for that. And if you are in constant communication with your manager, 
you should know what the issue is. Right. Because in order for me, like, I'll tell you this, when I worked at Sirius, I was able to negotiate a higher salary twice. Mm. And that's because I got other job offers, but I had the actual contract. So that just in case, they were like, you know what? If that's what you want to do, go pack your stuff right now and get out. I could do that and like, sign well, the other my contract. My contract says this. Like mm-hmm. You can read it to him verbatim. Like, Absolutely. And I, I'm in demand. And I was able to negotiate a higher salary twice just because of that. So I think that's an important thing um, to do. Also, you know, just ask what is it that's the issue? Like, why mm-hmm. am I not getting what I'm supposed to get? Is it an issue that yeah. you have with my work? Is there more that I should be doing? What is it that needs to happen in order for me to get uh, this full-time job and th- this increase that you told me I was going yeah. to receive? I mean, to this person, I would say to Sandy, I would say that one, um, it's unclear why um, she thinks that she's supposed to go full-time. Mm-hmm. Is it that it was, is it just a promise that somebody made you? Is it a conversation that you had with someone or is it an expectation that you have that is not matched? So that's something that you should figure out Mm -hmm. whether um, it's an automatic, like if you work here six months and you didn't break anything, do you go into the next phase? Mm -hmm. Now, should she go to the hiring manager or the individual who has the final say? The the thing about the way that this question is phrased makes me feel like she does not, she does not have a good relationship with her hiring, with the hiring manager because you should, you should feel comfortable enough that you can talk to that person and believe that they're speaking for the person above them. Mm. But in this specific scenario, if you feel taken advantage of at your job, there are many ways to talk to talk to your boss about that, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can say, you can go to them on a one-on-one, that's not a, I'm quitting my job or I have another job offer, and truly say, hey, I really enjoy working here. I show up every day. Just um, find a way to talk yeah, about it. Up. No, it's true. It's That's like fine if you can talk. Time. If you talk about work in a way, it's be, talk about work in a way that is not personal, but it's actually about the right. work, right? <laughs> so it's like I show up every day. I like being here. I really want to grow with this company, but I feel that like um, I feel that I'm not being rewarded for what I'm putting in. So what I'm asking you is, am I doing the wrong thing, or is there no room for me to grow? Mm-hmm. And so you got to keep putting the ball in there. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a confrontation. You just have to put the ball in their court and see what they and see what they do, because a lot of times this stuff also shows you how working there full time will be. If it is that they yeah, don't value you exactly. and it's important for you, you really to feel that. valued like at you work, fight to go right. if, it, yeah, if it's important for you to be valued at work and you don't have managers that will show that kind of value to you. You should be looking for another job, no, but you don't have to blow up your like your current job to look for another job. No, my experience yeah. was I actually went to my hiring manager, the person that would be in charge of talking to my superior about my raise. I went to him several times. I had emails like, hey, and because he, he was like, OK, I'm going to push this through for you. Just get, you know, just check back in with me. So every week I was sending an email like, hey, just checking back in with, um, you know, this raise that we discussed. And for seriously, about four months, nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Then I set up a meeting with the person that was in charge of actually doing Mm. the raise. And I went in and he was like, he's never even mentioned this to me. And so I had to, I showed him a bad manager and I showed him all the emails and I got my raise right away on the spot. Wow. So sometimes it does help to go directly to the person but I would say go to your hiring manager first and if that that doesn't um, give you the result then you go right if it doesn't give you the result or the conversation is not consistent then you know that something is up I the my one advice to most people when you're negotiating is to never frame it in terms of a personal thing is to always frame it in terms of a professional of professional growth exactly right because 
Don't um, cry. Here, here's the truth about any job. It is cheaper for you to stay and for them to promote you than it is for them to keep having turnover all the time. That's very Because true. Mm-hmm. they keep having to bring in people, train them, lose the institutional knowledge, all of that. Like, nobody wants to do that. As long as you're so, about your business. Yeah. Right. And I, I think, you know, common trips and, and common <laughs> tricks and techniques to help demonstrate your value with an employer or to negotiate a raise is don't just settle for the first offer. I think sometimes we're just so Never, happy. Even if it's the most you've ever gotten don't take it like push it and ask for more just say let me think about it yeah and then take a breath talk to a few people um come in knowing your value and have a game plan with examples to back it up and i think that that's really important especially in this generation where people are told ask for your what you're worth ask for what you're worth but be able to back up what you're worth like i'm asking this amount of money because i've done this i can bring this yeah but most people don't even know how much they're worth because people don't discuss their salaries right and so you need to do market research if you go into a hiring meeting and you say, hi, I've done some market research either through looking at the internet Absolutely. or there are many websites that you can look at to find out what people make or you can say, I have friends who work here, I've talked about it, you know, and you frame it in the sense of for what I bring to the table, this is how much money I would like to make. Yeah. And you need to be firm on that point. The worst that somebody will say to you is no. no they're right. not going to yank. The we don't they're not going to yank the, the job away from you. And if they do, that's I mean, not a place you wanted they, to work yeah, at. Exactly. Sometimes they will be like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the place for you. But in the same sense, then maybe it isn't the place yeah. for you. It Maybe so. it isn't. Because the way that salary negotiation works and the way that hiring works will tell you everything that you need to know about how it is going to to be to work there. That is very, And even if you can't true. negotiate a higher salary or get the money that you want, you can still negotiate for other benefits, other mm-hmm. perks and flexibility that's worth something like associating a dollar value to most benefits that you can combine with the salary offer and get a more accurate appraisal of what the job opportunity is worth. So yeah, you can do I'm things like... students, I talk to them about that, like the other opportunities. For like jobs. transportation Do you have, do you have a work from home day? Mm-hmm. Like, can you do you have to go into the office every day or can you telecommute? Right. Like, do they have a benefits package? Do they have a 401k program yeah can they contribute can they they match more to your 401k one thing that i tell most people and especially for me because i come from tech that is not apparent in a lot of jobs you should always ask them if they have a sign-on bonus Mm -hmm. a lot of companies do and they won't tell you right and if you ask for it the bonus is there and if you're moving for the job you should definitely ask for a moving bonus Mm -hmm. relocation packages and things like that because all of this stuff adds up, right? It's like vacation days adds up. Mm-hmm. Having a transportation stipend adds up. I want you and to pay for my part. Like my dad pays for my parking. Right. And so you yeah. should negotiate that. You can negotiate and yeah, that. you should. You should also ask about like things that they reimburse, right? Is, is there a transportation reimbursement? Can you have um, flexible? Can you have a more flexible schedule? Can you telecommute? An Do you have an account. expense account? Yes. If you're if you're somebody who works in marketing <laughs> or PR and you got it, if you have clients you got to take them out sometimes and you, you know, you have to meet people outside of the office. The Mm -hmm. thing too, you know, about a lot of the stuff when I was younger that I learned how to do this is that I would always role play with a friend. It's get a friend. And in my, um, you know, like my ladies that I call my personal board of directors, we all do this for each other because there is a point in your career when you're young that you hear yourself say these numbers and you're so scared because you've never made that amount of money before. Mm -hmm. And so our game was that it's like, what's the highest number that you can say with keeping a straight face? (laughs) And and going through all the scenarios, it's like if the person says yes immediately, that probably means you didn't ask for enough money. If the person, like damn, you know what I mean? That's the thing. If if the person says no, how do you justify your choices? And so the more that you practice, the less intimidating these conversations are to have. Mm -hmm. I also tell people to try to do them over the phone or in person instead of email, 
because there's something about email oh, that yeah. feels that it's just like locking you into something. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that also when you're on the phone, you could just put it back in their court. Like whenever people ask me my salary history, I never tell them. I'm like, well, actually, here's what I'm hoping to make. I don't tell them what I made. And you don't then, have to. Do you wait for them to make an offer to you first? And see what ballpark they're in, or do you? Well, oh no, my thing now—it's like if a recruiter calls me. What their budget is? Yeah, it depends. But when I worked in an office, I would always tell. And I and again, like every industry is different, but in tech, you can do this because you get headhunted and recruited so much. I would always tell them, I'm like, what's the floor for this job? And I was like, if it's below what I want to make, I'm like, it's not important. Like, I don't need to have this conversation with Mm -hmm. you because here's how much money I'm hoping to make, Mm -hmm. and that way we don't waste anybody's time. But let them set the pace of what, like, don't feel trapped into saying something. Let's see where the negotiation, like the managing room is. When you give a range, don't give a range that's like $10,000. Give a range that's $30,000 so that you have more flexibility. And you should always ask for a lot more than you want to make because they're going to negotiate. Yeah, yeah. you can negotiate down Just that. Know that. You they're going to negotiate you down. Or also, maybe they'll sometimes, say yes. <laughs> sometimes they they be like, okay, and you be like, oh, well, like, cool. damn, I should right. ask for more. And you need to think about you <laughs> need like, to think about year. your you need to think about your salary about what everything is worth. If you're somebody who wants to have a family, you need to know what the parental benefits at your company are. Some places will give you money if you adopt a kid. Some places will like pay for meals, all of that stuff. That's part of like your salary. So you should know everything you can take advantage of. All right. Well, here's another listener submitted question. Mandy wants to know, as a woman of color in non-traditional industries, I found it extremely difficult to find trustworthy women of color mentors. And I've also found it's a commonly shared experience in my conversations with other young women of color. As I age and my career, and my career progresses, I find my position shifting from that of mentee to mentor, but don't want to make the same mistakes as some of my predecessors. What are some tips I can take on in being a good mentor and how can seeking mentees find persons who can possibly become mentor-like figures in their lives? So I have never had a mentor at work. And Mm. the obsession with people finding, like people wanting mentors is very strange to me. Here's the thing. Because I don't, like, I think... I wish I had a mentor. I, I truly do not believe that you can ask somebody to be your mentor. Somebody exactly. mentors you. So that's what I was You know what I mean? Like that's people, the, how that works. People like to think that a mentorship is like this constrained, very structured relationship where it's like, this is my mentor and I'm meeting with my mentor every Wednesday or once a month for dinner or brunch mm-hmm. or whatever. And sometimes... That's emotional labor. someone <laughs> who like takes an interest in your career and gives you direction from time to time. It's like, well, you should consider this or do consider doing this. And like when I reflect on my career... Um, I don't think I necessarily had consistent mentors, but I had people who looked out and who would say, you know, we'll consider doing this or this is an opportunity that I think would be great for you in your career. Or I'll make this connection. But don't you, you think that you it made varies. yourself available for that kind of advice well, where I, I you that- you positioned yourself? Not that you like asked somebody, but mostly it was like, oh, this person looks like they're a go getter exactly, at work. Exactly. And that's this person thing. looks like. They could, you know, like somebody has to literally see, they have to see your hustle to want to make, because you're asking people to give you their time for free. Exactly. People who, especially women of color, like there's very few of them at work. They have like the weight of everybody's shoulders. Everybody wants to be their mentor. Yeah, everybody wants to be their, you cannot ask somebody to mentor you. Well, I've actually actually mentored people. And in a professional context? Yeah, and I'm going to tell you exactly how it happened. So Paris, who works for me, right? Mm -hmm. I actually met her when she first moved here from D.C. She was working in fashion and she asked me, she pulled me to the side one day because I would pull clothes from the showroom like when I had things to do. And she asked me to be her mentor. And I told her and she'll tell you this story. I was like, well, how about I just um, 
you know, have you come out with me, just kind of shadow me sometimes. And then it turned into her helping me because I did need some help. So I believe like when you mentor someone, I'd rather you like do some work and let it's me see. It's called an apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more <laughs> like that. And so I actually had her start doing some things because I did need some help. And then that uh, transforms into her kind of being my assistant and then her running my day-to-day bookings and everything. Mm-hmm. So it was a process, but I've actually mentored like another young woman. She now works you know, for OVO music or whatever. And I met her at the airport and then I got her an internship at my job. But like, I believe if somebody wants to be a mentee, Mm -hmm. you have to be ready to work. And actually she didn't tell me this, but she quit her job working for TSA just to come and be more available for me. And it actually did end up, so it was hard for her, but I didn't even know she quit her job. I was like, wow, she's available a lot now. Like what happened? (laughs) But she was so helpful to me that I actually helped her get a job without even knowing that she quit her other job. So I think that it's a useful thing if you can find a mentor who actually um, you can benefit them also because it shouldn't be a relationship that just benefits you. Think of what you bring to the table also. Yeah, I agree. As True. A Someone told me that. Someone like when I first started my fat finance, I was really frustrated because I felt alone and I said, there's nobody who wants to help me and so forth. And one of my friends said, nobody wants to hitch their wagon to a, sta- a stationary cart. Like people want to help people they perceive to yeah. be moving mm-hmm. and like be going to be the are, next people thing. People are because, giving you help for nothing. And like for free. Be like, yeah, I had a say in so-and-so success yeah. like that your success becomes part right. of their success and they want to make sure they're investing and even now for me people approach me all the time who want to get into finance and so forth and I spent a lot of time initially just trying to help everybody and I would spend you know hours talking to someone and then they wouldn't do anything with the right. information yep. I gave them that's a waste so of your I time need, yeah yep. like you took money out of my pocket yeah so now for me it's like I need to see you put doing the work and putting skin in the game and sometimes I'll even reach out when I see somebody and I'm like I respect how you're working I respect how you're yeah. moving in the finance field let me give you a little you know let me give you a little advice on working yeah. with brands or right. so forth so sometimes they'll make themselves available totally. to you when they see you doing the work but if anything you know aside from financially it should be a situation where as a mentee you're getting relationships that are valuable for you yeah. to mm-hmm. actually be able to follow up on and it's important that you follow up on those relationships too and learning about consistency so part of the reason that um i started the tech lady mafia with my co-founder erie is because we kept having these kinds of conversations or like, we don't have mentors. Everybody is always like mentor, mentor this. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, there's literally seven women who know how to use a computer in this country. According (laughs) to statistics, we are not like you, there are fields that you go in that there are not people who can help you or that you can try to get their time. And so the solution that what we found is what, um, you know, like what is commonly called uh, horizontal mentorship. You can Google it and learn a lot more about it. But if you are a very type A, like go-getter kind of person, I guarantee you that there are other people that work around you that feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So instead of all waiting around for somebody to like pick you from a field, you guys should pick each other. And so that's what we did where we started a club and from an email that we sent to 20 of our friends who were all women who worked in tech and were like, hey, um, we just we we need help to like learn how to negotiate salaries. We need help to -hmm. find out about industry things or whatever. The group is now 4,000 women around the world. It's like they always say, make your network your net worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and that's, the, the other thing about mentorship is just because you don't have a mentor doesn't mean you can't be successful. Yeah. Right. And you got to, it, it's up to you to do the work. You're, it is your responsibility to be successful. It's not anyone else's job for your for you to be successful. So with or without a mentorship, you still have to go for your. Right. And maybe the mentor that you'll get is when you reach a certain amount of success. Like it's, it's really cool to like watch Oprah Winfrey, like, you know, like mentor Ava DuVernay and all these women. I'm like, but these women are 
in their forties. Right. You know, like yeah. that's another thing that I think and people Oprah did not pick Ava Oprah right now. Oprah right. did not pick Ava up off the street. Yeah, she didn't. You know, like like body of work. Oprah noticed. Ava had like an entire other industry that she worked in. She used to be a publicist, and then she picked up a camera when she like later in life, and now she's doing this other job. So I think that. That's the thing that I, I always hear this from young people who are so eager. And the truth is that you got to put your head down and do the work. Yeah. There's nothing that sets you apart from thousands of other people who are just as hungry as you are. There's nothing wrong with that. We like we live in a generation of very brilliant people. Yeah. But the, the edge that it takes to get you apart is not that you're interesting. It's just that you've worked longer. Yeah. So I would going back to the question also, because she did ask us like, what are some mistakes she can avoid or things she could do to be a better mentor to future, you know, mm-hmm. mentees. It would be, I think hold them responsible, like hold yeah. them responsible and hold them responsible for your time. If you are working with someone and you know, you cause your time is valuable too. And if you're investing in someone and they're not maximizing the, in, the information you're giving them, then you should go ahead and decide to use your energy right. elsewhere and allocate mm-hmm. it to someone who is going to make good on the information. But at least tell them. them and tell but them if you don't. And tell them if you don't have. Cut them off. I know, but also also tell them if you don't have time. Tell them if you don't have time for them. Hello. Hello. a voicemail. And now it's time for our colorful lives interview. This week we're talking to Kara Stevens, aka the Frugal Feminista. Hi, Kara. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about your brand? Sure. Uh, my name is Kara Stevens. I'm founder of The Frugal Feminista, and it's a New York City-based personal finance and personal development site specifically to help Black women heal their relationship with the money and themselves. Well, Kara, we've been asking all our guests this season to share their financial journeys with us. Can you tell us about how you managed to knock out $40,000 in debt in just two years? Woo! Oh, yeah. Um, That was a lot of work. Um, I think so. The big piece of it was like this idea that I had to make a decision about wanting to either be in debt for a little while or actually live the life that I wanted. So at that time, I had to basically had to really get smart about who my lenders were, the kinds of loans that I had, and actually put all the numbers on paper from the beginning. Because a lot of times when it comes to student loans, um, you kind of, a lot of us pretend that the numbers don't exist and it's just mm-hmm. kind of this thing keep mm-hmm. with us. It doesn't have to be like that. So once you get clear about how many loans you have, the lenders, you can have a clear picture and have like a, a, a baseline. And then after that, what I started to do, I was a teacher at the time and I was making, uh, you know, 60,000 or something dollars. And what I did was that as a New York City teacher, um, you could actually take these exams in order to increase your pay. So instead of like having to do another master's, I took like CLEP exams, which allowed me to get to a higher pay salary, higher pay grade earlier on in my career. And that cost me about $400. And that ended up making me able to raise my um, salary by at least like 20%. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, I just did a lot of side hustles. I was a Cinderella um, for birthday parties. I was a clown (laughs) for birthday parties. I'm not lying. I did flea markets in my living room. I was security guard at flea markets. I sold Amazon books, like all the books I had um, in my house. I did um, tread.com. I signed up for documentaries where I talked about my, um, like just like my financial journey and, um, real talk, I had to move back home for a little while just in order, because this wasn't possible for me to maintain New York city rent and be able to have that goal. So a lot of times I think because black women are like 
considered like this demographic of progressive, most educated, that we have this image to live up to. And I couldn't let my ego get in the way of a short term financial goal. Oh, I agree with that so much. That's dope. Because sometimes I do tell people at a certain point, maybe you just have to make more money. And if that Mm -hmm. means you have to ask for a raise, if that means that you have to do side hustles and just go really hard at that for a period of time, you just have to sometimes put your pride to the side and do those side hustles. A lot of times we feel like certain jobs are beneath us. I can't let people see that I quote unquote fell off or had to move back and you know wherever but it's really important just to buckle down and not care what people think and do what needs to be done like I I had a friend and Mm -hmm. her and her husband they moved in with her parents and like saved their money Mm -hmm. and bought a house but sometimes you just have and I think that's another thing in our culture is that there's such a press for people to become independent so soon and sometimes that handicaps us from making other financial decisions or opportunities down the line because we've been pressured into becoming an adult as soon as possible instead of sitting back and determining what's the best scenario for our financial goals and what would put us in the best financial position. So it's great that you had the opportunity and the wherewithal to be like, I'm going to side hustle my way out of Mm -hmm. this debt and do whatever needs to be done to get out of it. I have a quick question. Do you know Mm -hmm. how... Do you remember how you found out a lot of this information? Because I think that a lot of the mail that we get or a lot of the people that we talk to are always very clueless about, I, you know, the ways that they can enhance even their own salary at work. Do you remember if that was something that it was part of your training or you've always mm-hmm. been a curious person and you were talking to people? Yeah. Yeah. And even like Tanya knows this about me. Like I like to read. Right. So I read fine print. I'm on the, you know, anytime that there's like a community board, I'm like, what is this about? And oftentimes the way I'm able to find out information is because I ask questions. So when there is an orientation, I attend. It's not sexy, but sometimes since I'm the only person, one of few people, I get all my questions answered. And so a lot of times we overlook the um, the low hanging fruit for information, but that's how I was able to find out about these opportunities to clip um, my courses. And also I was able to get AmeriCorps funding. Um, I went to Columbia for grad school and that's not cheap. So I went to those um, tutorial, those information sessions and orientation to find out, like, how am I going to pay this money back as quickly as possible? And they told us about opportunities. And so if you're not even in the room, you can't get the information. So I always tell people, like, no one's going to hand it to you. You have to kind of go after it and not be afraid to ask those questions because there's at least 20 people in the room who are afraid to ask it, but you're the one that's kind of being the leader and taking that position of power to get your questions answered so you can get the money that you need to move on with your life. Absolutely. And Kara, you know, in speaking about life and, you know, moving on, I remember when you had to rebrand as a frugal feminista. Mm. I, I, now, I, mm-hmm. It's so funny how the brand now becomes the brand. And you, I forgot what the brand was before then. But can you tell us what the mission is behind the frugal feminista? Well, yes. So the frugal feminista, like what I was finding was that there weren't enough conversations happening amongst black women about money. I felt we could talk very freely um, in terms of sisterhood about like our bodies, you know, our careers, but never really about well, what's going on in your bank account. And so it came out of just a place of a deep love for black women, a desire for us for economic empowerment. And since we are this 
highly educated population, there was a mismatch in terms of being extremely educated, very degree, high pedigree, but not being still in terms of net worth, one of the lowest demographics in the, in the country. And I wanted to change that. And I wanted to be a way that wasn't very stuffy. You don't see many brown girls who have locks, you know, who can talk about um, getting their hair done in the same way they want to talk about equities or talk about their emergency fund. And so, you know, and also just like when I started it, it was just sharing the experience of what it's like to be a brown girl living in New York, growing and trying to figure it all out at the same time as trying to take care of their money and not making money um, a taboo topic. And so, you know, that's pretty much the mission. It's just like, we can all, you know, a big thing about what I love about the Fugal Feminista is that I have a philosophy of lifting as we climb. That was like the club movement slogan before like the, um, you know, the, the push for sororities. And I really believe that we can all get there together, especially if we support each other and have transparent, open conversations about the things that matter to us the most and that impact our lives the most. And money is one of those things. Absolutely. Now, a recurring theme on our show are ways that you can live your best life and save towards a prosperous future without depriving yourself. You've talked about your love for retreats. Any tips for where or how to enjoy a low cost vacation? I'm all about that. Um, To center yourself and recharge. Mm, yes. Well, I mean, sometimes when we think about retreats, you always think it has to be someplace with a, a plane ticket involved. But sometimes in a local area, you know, you can find beautiful, untouched, virgin areas that no one's really talking about because everyone's trying to be at the airport. Right. So I would often think look in your, um, in your hometown and find um, the local bread and breakfast or like someplace where there's like woodsy areas and there's always going to be a, a mom and pop um, um, or Airbnb that you can really, that can really be um, um, affordable and really um, you can enjoy without having to offset the cost with, you know, not being able to pay your rent or having to forego some of the other things you want to do because you want to take that retreat. Kara, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the show is generational wealth and all of the different lessons and habits on money management that are passed down from generation to generation. Can you tell us one money lesson that you learned growing up and what wisdom you hope to pass on? Mm, I, was, I thought you were going to give me like, what didn't I want to learn from that? Okay, great. I mean, you, so can, I- t- you can tell us that too, because I... I'm like, I only learned mostly terrible habits growing up about <laughs> think, money. So yeah. I've, I've been unlearning all of them. And I see your mom's from Antigua. You know, my mom's from Montserrat. Okay. So Which you're is- right across there. Okay, girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I would say like the biggest thing that, um, the biggest thing that um, I would pass on to my child is the importance of being self-sufficient and um, investing in yourself. So that doesn't just mean like having um, college degrees. It also means like, say with the frugal feminista, taking the money that you have and deciding that you're going to bet on yourself and then you're going to build a business. So I think women in particular need to hear that message of um, being able to be financially dynamic and having several streams of income. So whether it be from nine to five, yeah, like whether it be your nine to five, but then say you, um, like I like, I like books, but after I finish reading them, I sell them. Do you know what I mean? So there's always one of the big things my mom always taught me was that if you start your day in the morning, it's eight o'clock and you have to feed your family. Could you do something by four o'clock to be able to put something in the pot? You know what I mean? And so that's always been this push in my head to like, I'll always be able to provide for myself and my family using my skills and using um, my talents. So I would say that like you, you yourself are a business and you're able to 
um, create streams of income for yourself through your creativity. Now, one of my favorite things to talk about is negotiating a raise or other benefits. We talked about that at the top of the episode. Do you have any tips on what listeners can do to get the fattest paycheck possible? Mm, yes, I have a couple. So I think that some of us don't even ask yes. for it or even think that we should be able to ask. And I think our fear of rejection, oh, like, oh my God, what are they going to say? We have these worst case scenarios that happen in our heads. And I think the best way to combat that is to have your facts and your ducks in a row and be extremely database. So if you know that you've brought X amount of money into the company or as a result of your input and your leadership, this has happened in terms of particular deliverables for the company, speak to it and have um, a track record of what you've done. And I think also um, in terms of negotiation, um, you should also be able to practice and be very confident in, be, in, in speaking about um, what it is that you've done. Because sometimes we're waiting for someone else to see our shine, and sometimes we have to put the spotlight on ourselves in order for them to recognize what we're worth. And I think especially I was at a conference before, and, and a black woman raised her hand saying, well, you know, I've had this problem with um, comparing myself to um, kind of – rationalizing to her why she shouldn't be paid the same amount as somebody else because she's single because she doesn't have any children. I was like, no, if the market um, yields that salary, you should be able to command and ask that amount. So knowing and doing your data about what your colleagues are making in comparable industries should be a part of your research process. So be prepared, basically. Just don't go on feeling. Make sure that you have all your information there so you can make a strong case for yourself. I always say, yeah, I always say it's that you don't ask because you need a raise. You ask because you deserve a raise. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially like, you know, with the, with the black, the income gap between black women and their and white male counterparts, you know, we have to ask, we have to ask because no one's really going to be there to um, stand up for us except ourselves. And I think that conversations within our sister circles to support each other, a, a quick text to like, say you got this, you know, having someone to be there to support you is going to give you enough coverage if you don't have it yourself. And sometimes ultimately you may have to be like, you know what? Um, sometimes negotiation is just a conversation in the beginning of another conversation, but sometimes you may realize that you may have to go elsewhere and that's okay. You know? So it's a, it's a conversation that you have to make for yourself, but at least put yourself in the room to begin that process. And don't be afraid of, um, the discomfort because there's something on the end of that discomfort. Well, Kara, thank you so much for joining us. This is, this has been, I feel like I've learned a lot and I know that our listeners have learned a lot too. Can you tell us where they can connect with you online? Yes. Um, I'm on Frugal Feminista on um, Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook, The Frugal Feminista. And you can always email me at Kara at The Frugal Feminista if you have a question or you just want to share what's going on with you with respect to your finances. I'll be in touch. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Kara. Enjoy Thank Ghana. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. That's all the time we've got this week. For more info on how to navigate your professional life, make sure you visit letstarttoday.com and continue to send us your questions and comments on social using hashtag livecolorful. That's with two L's. And we may use them on an upcoming episode. You can also email us at colorfullivespod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail on the Colorful Lifeline at 646-580-0576. If we use your question, we'll send you a signed copy of Tanya Ripley's new book, The Money Manual, as a special thank you. Trust me, you want it. Yes. We'll have new episodes dropping every Wednesday all summer long. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud to be the first to hear brand new episodes. 
Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, is a Loudspeakers Studios production. Our executive producers are Matt Raz and Chris Murrow. The show is engineered and edited by Dwayne Crawford. For more information on Colorful Lives and other Loudspeakers podcasts, follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Instagram. 